I knelt by the bed of death, my father's last farewell. I knew the scroll of Thoth could bring thee back to life. I dared the god's anger and stole it. I stole back to thy tomb to bring thee back to life. I murmured the spell that raises the dead. They broke in upon me and found me doing an unholy thing. My father condemned me to a nameless death. The scroll he ordered buried with me that no such sacrilege might disgrace Egypt again. Boris Karloff, The Mummy. Good evening, ghosts and ghouls. Welcome to another episode of Rogues in the House. Tonight, we will focus on the dark, the shadowy, the mysterious, as we enter into the Halloween season. For our topic tonight is Monsters in Sword and Sorcery. That was awesome. You nailed that. <laughs> like the pacing and everything is this spot on. Yeah, I, I feel like all I would have managed would be like, it's the spook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <that> <laughs> oh man. Good job, Alex. Good flavor. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, so in the uh the flavor of the season, right? Uh I, I'm sure we will talk probably get into this, but Vincent Price of course, oh, yeah. is one of oh, yeah. like the the most amazing voices ever, and I I grew up listening to a good deal of Vincent Price stuff from everything from uh you know Thriller when he was on that with Michael Jackson to like actually some of the stuff that he really did, uh yeah. and even even Scooby Doo appearances. So yeah, that's right, he did. Yeah, yeah. So he like was, he was he was like the. <laughs> no, that's a stupid. I'm not gonna say that. He was uh, he was ubiquitous as far as uh, you know, dark occult Halloweeny yeah. things go, right? It was as though he was the Vincent Price of uh, dark occult. Yeah, he's the yeah. Vincent Price of, of Vincent Price. Yeah. And what's great about all of, like the old stuff, um, like all the same actors keep showing up, like Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff. Oh yeah. Who oh, yeah. in the beginning and Vincent Price, like, Christopher Lee. Yeah. They make- Yep, Christopher Lee. Lon Chaney. Let's they not forget Lon Chaney, of course. Yep, Lon Chaney. So let's, uh, we're, well, I think what we really want to do here is we want to hop right into the Bizarre of the Bizarre so that we can talk uh, a, a good deal about our meat of our topic and how this all pieces together with sword and sorcery. Uh, but I guarantee you, as a, as a disclaimer to everyone, we are going to probably uh, shoot off in many different directions with this one because it's... Uh, a foundation for um, for just so much as well. So I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And without further ado, Matt, you want to do your little smoke noise again for? <laughs> I, it totally froze up your microphone. Yeah, yeah, that was too much for your bandwidth. Yeah, it couldn't. Your bandwidth couldn't handle it. <laughs> Do you want to do that intro again? Should I say gold dust at the end? Yes. Okay. Like the rest of Gold dust. I mean, bizarre the bizarre. <laughs> that was a wrestling reference, right? Like, yeah. Oh, how totally. Okay. I just yeah. wanted to make sure that it wasn't something else. Remember when like Marilyn Manson was like a big deal 
and then the wrestling, they're always trying to keep on topic with those things. So, like, let's have a guy who creeps everyone out in weird ways. We need to have gold <laughs> dust. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Good old classic wrestling. It was like the homoerotic fear-mongering uh, of WWE. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Silly. All right. So, Logan, why don't you lay it on us first? Sure. Um, I'm going to be quick, and I've been promising a couple of our listeners this uh personally for a couple couple of episodes here and i keep forgetting um but way back when we did the chain meal bikini and fur diaper episode two of our um most uh vocal followers were rimco van staten and his partner angeline and they actually have a short story collection um and i'm gonna call it i think i want to call it new wave sword and sorcery because it's not classic in the way that you'd consider like Conan and the stereotypical stuff. It kind of looks at that, um, kind of the same stuff we discussed in that episode and presents stories in that light. Um, they are good stories and they are sword and sorcery, uh, and I can recommend them. In fact, they left them a review because they read the whole thing. Um, they are short stories, it's a small collection, uh, but if that's something you are interested in uh, reading, I would go to Amazon. It, the collection is called The Red Man and Others, and uh, it's fun. It's a nice little little short story collection. Awesome. That's got cool. art in it too. So the art is also um it's stylized but it adds to the adds to the feel of the book. Very so cool. That's stuff neat. there. Neat. Yeah, that's that sounds very interesting to me. So you've coined the golden age of sword and sorcery, the silver age of sword and sorcery. There's a modern age and now there's new wave yeah, yeah, I'm gonna call it new wave. Yeah, can you get a little more I, I mean What does that yeah, mean? I mean by I new wave? Um I don't wanna so I, when we talked about chainmail bikinis and fur diapers, basically I feel like it, their collection is a reaction to the muscle-bound masculinity, um, the unbridled um, machismo that is found and uh, oftentimes put to the forefront of sword and sorcery. So we're getting uh, a little a little postmodern here. Is that yes, what you're, that you're yeah, getting at? I, I like yeah. that. I, it, that's great. I mean, I think yeah. it's cool that uh, just knowing the, the comments uh, that they had, I, I mean, I don't know the stories, but I can imagine uh, where uh, what you mean by a reaction uh, toward uh, toward those those feelings. Uh, and that's also so I, I, I encourage that because, yeah. um, you know, we talked about Elric, right, <laughs> as a reaction to yeah. Howard. And again, maybe maybe different different ideas on what we're reacting to but i mean that's that was kind of the birth of elric to begin with you know yeah no i i I like that idea a lot um and i'm to be honest with you as far as uh stories that weren't written in the 30s to the 70s i'm more interested in that sort of thing than i am in traditional aping howard writing to be honest with you yeah oh totally um So I, I, yeah, that that's I want to see what, you know, what you can kind of do with that take. I like, I would say, I like it, the idea, in the same way that I like modern synth wave in like horror films and modern horror films. Like I love that that has become a, a throwback thing. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not like it's, it's doing it to be silly. It's like taking the part that was really cool, but then, you know, kind of putting it in a more modern film, yeah, reimagining it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like to think that 
I'm doing a sort of similar thing with uh, with my fiction. So uh, yeah, I'm going to jot that down. I'll have to check that out. That's cool. And that's interesting because I I tend to stick to the classic. Like I appreciate um, you do, classic, yes, but I, I definitely stick to the classic. Um, I'm I'm so very that, much yeah. in the mood for newer sword and sorcery as well. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, pretty cool. So what was what was the name one more time? The the collection is called The Red Man and Others, and it's available um, on Amazon in ebook form. Last I checked, it was not a print version, but I think it's only like three bucks, if I remember right. So, um, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, if you are open to the idea of new takes on Sword and Sorcery, I know lots of people love, and rightfully so, the classic look of it. Sure. Uh, no one's saying that needs to go away, but I do welcome new things. A new ideas. So. Very good. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not anyone who's doing a classic sword and sorcery, uh, writing it now and trying to make it sound old or maintaining that older voice um, or conventions. I'm not, I'm not railing against it. I just, I think, I prefer to see how it will change with the times. Right. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Alex, you got something? Yeah. So mine, mine's pretty lightweight. So um, I have uh, ordered and I'm looking forward to uh, playing. This is not really sword and sorcery. This is sword and sorcery adjacent, if you will. Um, the Lord of the Rings living card game. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of on a lark, I got this. I, I introduced... My nine-year-old, um, she'd been watching the Hobbit movies, uh, and we finally are like digging into the extended edition of uh, the three Lord of the Rings movies. We finished the first, and she just loves it. And That's I mean, awesome. yeah, I mean, like, what more can you really ask for, right? So she's like, she's yeah. all in. So I'm looking for something that was cooperative and fun for the two of us to do. Um, you know, that was a game. So I'm I'm going with this. It should arrive. I'm gonna learn the rules. So I'm pretty fired up about it. It should be fun. Perhaps write a short review when you get a couple games under your under yeah. Your if belt? I can if I can get the rules uh, under my belt for sure. Yeah, that'd awesome. be cool. Yeah. So we'll pass because I'll pass the the mic on over because um, I definitely want to get to the meat of this. Uh, and I didn't have anything like too sword and sorcery oriented anyways today. So Matthew. So, since it's our spooky episode, I'm going to take the opportunity to talk about something that isn't uh, sword and sorcery. And surprise, it is once again alien-related. Um, last Saturday, uh, I prepared and ran the new Alien RPG by Free League, which is a... I believe they're a Swedish company. Um in any case, it's a it's basically a sample document that I got because I pre-ordered the game based on a, an existing system of... I'm not sure what it's called. I don't know that it has a name. But it's been used in uh, other RPG systems, Tales from the Loop, um, a few others. Yeah, it's it's quite uh, critically acclaimed. Yeah. Which, you know, I was pretty psyched about that because it's alien, and if it sounds good, then that makes me happy. So anyways... Uh, we ran the first act of the sample module, and, and it was super rad. Um, I realized that I, I kind of dislike running modules a lot, because you're so on the rails, and as a GM, you just feel so glued to it that you're, you know, you're somewhat scared to 
diverge. I agree. I, yeah. I enjoy modules a lot. The few times I've run them. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like it, but I I don't like it. In any case, this game has a. Uh, it's going to be broken into two different systems. One is going to be cinematic play, and the other is campaign play. And so, with cinematic play, it's more like you have an end game in mind. It's going to last like three sessions, and by the third act, you're going to be at each other's throats, and people are going to die, which I kind of love. You yeah. Know, for a horror game to have that. Um, I won't get too deep into it. I will just say that it really does. Um, it emulates the feel of the first alien film very well. The module is called chariot of the gods. It draws from everything from alien up until, uh, alien covenant. And I love that it's all D sixes. I love that you have a, sort of two mechanics of your your base dice and then your your panic dice so as you start sort of doing things uh or things are happening to you that are terrifying you you basically have to start rolling these additional dice which then can make you panic um yeah it was it was a super cool system we're gonna get back to it this weekend uh and i may do an i may do an update once we've played a little more but as of right now it's getting a huge thumbs up for me that's awesome. Nice. I love that the uh, the name is a Von Daniken book. Von Daniken's the guy who popularized the a- ancient aliens craze. It's oh, yeah. a complete little bit of horror talky, but but his first book is called Chariot of the Gods. Huh. Um, yeah, basically about how aliens are like they came down to you know see the planet and are the people that affect our history and uh. Basically, the plot of Aliens, at least the new ones. That yeah, clearly. Prometheus, so. Yeah, ties into Prometheus for sure, which, you know, that's a whole other discussion, but I really right, don't right. think that those, I don't think those two films are as bad as people claim them to be. I don't think so either. I, I enjoy no. them, but. Yeah, I as well. Anyway, monsters. Yeah, so let's get into the monster talk. Uh, why don't we start with vampires? Which are pretty much the the classic monster, right? Uh, yeah. And and let's talk about them and how uh, exa- maybe some examples of where they fit in sword and sorcery, uh, and we'll see where this conversation goes. So, I know we have some stuff already dug up. Yeah. Why don't sure. we? Why don't one of you uh, throw out what you got? Cool. I can do that. Um, the one that jumps out to me uh, most is Akibasha from Hour of the Dragon. Yeah. And in fact, Hour of the Dragon is like a gold mine for sort of classic, uh, you know, we're going to call them Halloween-type monsters or universal monsters or what have you. The things that we that we all sort of put under that same category. Um, but Akibasha is interesting. Those who've read Hour of the Dragon uh, will be familiar with her, no doubt. She is this immortal being living in the depths of a Stygian crypt. I believe they are in Kemai at the time. And Conan is sort of in disguise. He's wearing this cultist uniform, infiltrating this temple. And he comes across this, this lady who starts speaking with him. And he comes to notice that she is based on the sarcophagus uh, being empty, that she is Akivasha. 
And I've got a few little passages here. Perhaps I'll read. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah. Sure. So he says, uh, he whirled back to her, the short hairs on his neck bristling. You are Akivasha, he grated. She laughed and shook back her burnished locks, spread her arms sensuously. I am Akivasha. I am the woman who never died, who never grew old, who fools say was lifted from the earth by the gods in the full bloom of her youth and beauty. To queen it forever in some celestial clime. It is the shadows that mortals find immortality. Ten thousand years ago, I died to live forever. Give me your lips, strong man. So. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, she's. Um, they, they really play up the immortality vibe a lot, right? Yeah. And it's just an interesting scene. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter in the ultimate scheme of this story. But there's so many cool world building elements in, um, in Hour of the Dragon. Um, there's a few other bits too. I mean, she goes, uh, to try and kiss him and then she ends up biting him and he says, damned vampire blood was trickling from a tiny wound in his throat. And I mean, when, when you're thinking about your stereotypical vampire mythos, you might be thinking, oh no, Conan's going to be a vampire. He's been bitten, right? Uh, but of course, Howard's not playing by those rules. It seems what I um, think is interesting. Um, she very much like represents all those like stereotypes I guess people have about vampires. She's mm -hmm. alluring and seductive and young and bites people and um, when we do sword and sorcery we don't usually associate like the monsters or even the worlds with something so um, I don't mean like, so, universal. Yeah so like, known. She, I was going to say something so known. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, usually, like, even in Howard, Conan fights a lot of like, tentacle monsters and, and alien beings and whatever, but this is this is just a vampire, and it works, and it fits really well, and um, the background, like, the Egyptian-style background he built with her, um, like, it fits right in. It doesn't seem out of place at all, even though she's kind of unique. Yeah, and I'll tell you what's really interesting about this is that I was, I've been doing some researching lately and, uh, on a few of Howard's characters and, um, I was thinking about how Bran McMorn is sort of the perfect hero for a sort of Lovecraftian or a cosmic horror vibe. Yeah. And as I was, as I was looking back at this passage, it strikes me that Conan kind of, he kind of gets wrapped up in this too. Um, yeah. When, when you read, I, I'll, I'll read another piece here for you. Uh, just to kind of demonstrate this. So at, at a point after he meets her, it says he's, his wanderings through those black winding tunnels were a sweating nightmare. Behind him and about him, he heard faint slitherings and glidings, and once the echo of that sweet hellish laughter he had heard in the chamber of Akivasha, skipping ahead slightly, and through his fear ran the sickening revulsion of his discovery. The legend of Akivasha was so old, and among the evil tales told of her, ran a thread of beauty and idealism, of everlasting youth. To so many dreamers and poets and lovers, she was not alone the evil princess of Stygian legend, but the symbol of eternal youth and beauty, shining forever in some far realm of the gods. And this was the hideous reality. This foul perversion was the truth of that everlasting life. Through his physical revulsion ran the sense of a shattered dream 
of man's idolatry. Its glittering gold proved slime and cosmic filth. A wave of futility swept over him, a dim fear of the falseness of all men's dreams and idolatries. Pretty intense, More, right? Yeah. yeah, and it is very, like when we talk about Lovecraft, like it's very cosmic um, in his descriptions. Yeah, and it almost it, yeah, and a little bit of cull comes out there in the music. Yeah, yeah. Where just, mm. He gets lost up. In a lot of cases, you see Conan, he's faced with this sort of... Uh, this this uh, unspoken threat or this unnameable threat, and he just pulls out the sword, but not in this case. And there's something obviously sexual and alluring about her too. So it, you can tell it really kind of messes him up. All right, everyone, we are back. I think we had a uh, minute or two of technical difficulty, um, and we had to reboot real quick. Uh, I don't know that we are going to be able to edit this in, so I thought I'd just be upfront and tell you uh, that um, we we did we dropped out at, at a certain point, uh, and we were talking about Dracula. So, uh, Matt, I think you wanted to follow up on a point there. Uh, well, we were talking about sort of when uh, this this was published, and this is in the 30s for Hour of the Dragon. Right, Dracula was published in 1897. I don't know that uh, Howard read it, but I would imagine he was aware of it at the very least. Um, and I mean, Dracula himself is a, he is sort of a timeless creature. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously that theme is pretty <laughs> attached to, to vampires. Um, I read Dracula around the same time I read Frankenstein, but it's, oh, it's pretty, yeah, I love, I love Frankenstein. Yep. I mean, I've read that. Dude, I've read that several times. It was still times. hard for me to get through. So hard. See, I find that interesting. You're like classic, classic, uh, yeah. classic lit man. You know, yeah, yeah. But it's like it's like 1800s classic lit. Like, yeah, I don't know. It probably helped that I was in university when I did it, so we were studying I was it in like like 13. Yeah, we, I did it in either. It was either high school or middle school. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, you did drag or Frankenstein in high school. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It was in school. I mean, it was in school. Um, but Conan's not the only, uh, Howard character to have a run in with vampires either. Um, the original monster hunter himself, Solomon Kane, uh, has, uh, at least one or two, uh, stories with ah. vampires in them. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think a couple different, like, yeah. I don't want to call them, like, species. Okay, and we're back. Uh, once again, we are having some serious technical difficulties today, so this is going to be a very herky-jerky, choppy episode. Uh, so thank you for bearing with us on this. We were talking about uh, vampires and Solomon Kane, and um, I think where we left off uh, was there were um, one or two uh, vampire present uh, episodes for uh, episodes um, stories with Solomon Kane uh, and in our little uh, reset time we actually I looked them up uh, the moon of skulls and hills of the dead um, hills of the dead is the one where he goes into the jungle and finds a city of vampires and they're uh, like flying they have like bat wings yeah right they're, yeah uh, and I and I love Solomon Kane because in my mind he's like He's like, the, he goes in and just like, <laughs> I, I, it doesn't even necessarily mean that's what he does, but I just see him as like the punisher 
of monsters. Yeah. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah. And just, pirates. And I just yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, really I just, doesn't like pirates. I just love that. And I and I think about him in like any sort of a uh like um like he's almost like a Van Helsing esque type thing to me, which I which I yeah. enjoy. And I don't mean like the Professor Van Helsing. I mean like the Monster Hunter Van Helsing type. Like type that story. terrible uh the terrible movie with Hugh Jackman. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Except way better. Yeah. Except like, way better. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we'll cover Solomon Kane uh, in a future episode. Yeah, but I, I remember his his vampires are a little more like they almost remind me more of like the Thirty Days of Night vampires, where they're oh, just these. The yeah, that's a cool movie. Yeah. Um, but they're uh, well, and I'm sure someone right now is going, "It's a cool graphic novel." You don't even know the graphic yeah. novel. Yeah. Like, no, nah, I, I have, right. I have not. Read I didn't it, read it. I watched no. the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I I quite like the movie, but yeah, I guess it's more the, the more like animal like vampires. You know what I mean? Like there's a giant cluster of them. Yeah, it's like a hive or a din in there. Um, they're very aggressive on the pack. They do talk. Mm-hmm. Are they like mm-hmm. Russian or something? Because they're in Alaska. But, Thirty days of night. Yeah. Thirty yeah, days, of, 30 night, days yeah, of night. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, the the Solomon Kane ones are very similar. Um, cool. I think, what is it? The Hills of the Dead, I think, is the highest regarded Solomon Kane novel. Or not novel, but short story. I think it's um, widely regarded as Solomon Kane's best story, at least as far as my research has, has led me to believe. So I think Moon, Moon of Skulls is pretty up there as well. It is, I mean, yeah. That's Moon the other one Skulls I'm thinking is, of. And it's that approaching is, novel length, that yeah. one. And that is the other vampire one. Yeah. 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 With Nakari. Nakari the vampire, I think. Yep. Yeah. The queen. Um, and I know this happens in Conan because we talked about it. Uh, Co- uh, Howard mentions werewolves, and I'm pretty sure werewolves get mentioned in a Solomon Kane story too. But it's like, um, it's like window dressing almost. Like maybe yeah. it's, it's lore, maybe it's stories, maybe it's not kind of stuff. Howard actually has a he has a werewolf story or two. Uh, let me find it. It is called on the in the forest of Villefer. I have heard French. that one. Have not read. Yeah, it. it's it's it. super short. A guy basically meets a werewolf on the road. So when, when <laughs> I hear when I hear like a, a werewolf when they're kind of mentioned in passing in Black Colossus, yeah, I just think to myself. Of course, Howard wouldn't like. I, I could see a werewolf showing up in a Conan story, no problem. Well, I'm honestly, surprised one doesn't show up in Hour of the Dragon because everything else seems to. Now, um, I think it's it's a fragment of a Conan story, and I think it's called Drums of Tumbalku. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's like a were pig or like a were boar that's in there. Oh, like- like, snout but the, the fragment's the so small. Yeah, snow in the dark. It's such a small fragment. We don't really know where he was going, but it's definitely like um, a humanoid, boorish kind of thing. And, and werebores show up in Elder Scrolls, so I'm familiar with them. Mm-hmm. I think they're Dungeon and Dragons monster too. But uh, we don't really know what was going on there because it's such a such a fragment. But ha- pastiche writers, pastiche writers definitely turned it into a werebore type creature. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, so we're it, all like uh, shell shocked yeah. now because we're afraid our computers are going to crash. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh my god, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Let's gear uh, shift. Let's gear shift a little bit, and I think that this is one that is uh, highly sword and sorcery. I'm I'm going to switch to uh, the mummy. Yeah, um, you're right, but we can't say werewolves without mentioning Carl Edward Wagner's uh, reflections for the winter of my soul. Yeah. which is a cane story and it's got a werewolf at the center and it's definitely a gothic horror trap like snowbound in a in a in a, in a manner and yeah it's it's a, a total, werewolf like, somewhere it's a murder mystery yeah and it's Anyways. really good it's one of again like one of kane's best stories um, yeah he kind of he shows up on the scene he's all wounded and trying to escape uh, these other guys were trying to kill him He's suspecting that the the blizzard is actually supernatural. Yeah. There's, there's another character who's talking about, I need my meat delivered bloody. Like fresh, yeah, yeah. yeah like, um, there's all kinds of little uh, horror hooks in there. Yeah, and it's like trying to figure out who the werewolf is. And in the end, yeah. I, when I read it, I remember thinking it was one person and it turned out not to be. So it's actually a pretty good little... Yeah. Um, who done it kind of thing like whether yeah. it's sword and sorcery or not like it's well done in that respect um but yes yeah. mummies mummies are my second second favorite classic um, and monster. what's your first um the first is gonna have to be creature from the black lagoon okay. i love creature nice but yeah, we're mummies, gonna get there we're gonna get yeah, there we're gonna get there the yeah but mummies are good so uh, and, and so mummies are easy because right now you know of course there is the Mummy, and the it's the uh, Boris Karloff movie, uh, which sort of gave this amazing look to the whole thing. Um, yeah. But, I mean, the idea of the undead is, is a very common one and used in all sorts of fantasy. Um, and, you know, I think probably Sword and Sorcery, just because of the setting, um, can lean on more mummified things uh, a little bit more. Um, yeah. than, than some other um, some other cultures because you do have sort of that uh, desert feel uh, I think more often in um, yeah in, in a sword and sorcery story uh, but you know one of my earliest uh, my earliest memories is of the Boris Karloff so I absolutely adore that movie and I, I think Logan you do too right I do I really like that I like all of the mummy movies, although the Tom Cruise one is definitely the lesser of all four. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the Boris Karloff one is good. It's very slow paced. Um, it's a it's a horror in the classic sense. Mm-hmm. There's no jump scares. Right. Um, you're not even sure that Boris Karloff is the actual mummy for a lot, like a lot of it, if I recall. Um, it's again kind of a whodunit, but I could totally see Emotep being a Conan villain or a sword and sorcery villain. Um, and the, what is I think it's David Summers was the director of the remakes with uh, Brendan Fraser. Um, Steven Summers. Steven Summers. That's it. Um, he's awful. And what? <laughs> genius. He is. He's an awful director. <laughs> I mean, we said Van Helsing, Van Helsing is terrible. Yeah. He directed um, that piece of crap. Yeah. But, I really like the mummy and the mummy returns. And he also had this like sci-fi horror movie. Hold on. Uh, that's really you good. Liked, you liked the mummy returns. I, I think mean, I, mummy returns is better than the mummy. 
Okay. Oh, so. I thought I almost walked out of that movie. You didn't know this no. about him? Like he, yeah, loved, almost he loves left. those movies. The, I like yeah. the Mummy. I thought I thought the Mummy was actually fairly solid. It was a good fun movie. It actually reminded me slightly of Evil Dead, a movie Logan inexplicably doesn't like. Don't like but, it. Uh, you don't make any sense. You don't make any sense. Luke. I That's actually fantastic. even worse. The Scorpion <laughs> King. I love the addition of The Rock as a Scorpion King, even though he's like there for like maybe two minutes in in The Mummy Returns. The I think worst. the I think he's, the background is really cool. Like it's vague and it works, but it's also the worst computer generated it imagery is, ever committed. That's when I almost walked out. <laughs> Feel bad. Dude, I, that's I like wish. 10 minutes from the end. Uh, you didn't walk out. You probably had to pee. No, that was like, oh, uh, <laughs> wasn't that at the beginning? Oh, no, he gets turned at the beginning. Yeah, he gets turned at the beginning. I yeah, mean, no, I, I'm not going to pretend the mummy is like art, but. It, it's, not I, it's not quite transformer. It's not quite transformer. Don't talk crap about transformers. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, actually, I this we mentioned the Black Colossus with the werewolves. Um I originally, when I first read Black Colossus, um, it was, I don't know, a couple years after I had seen The Mummy. And when uh, Shavadas goes into the tomb and everything, like, I always envisioned um, Natok or Thugur Kotan, however, like, with his alter ego, whatever. I always envisioned it as a mummy. And then later, I got the Dark Horse um, like uh, uh, rendition of the Black Colossus, and he is literally a mummy. Yeah, I that. agree. I've always envisioned that as a whole uh, mummification type thing, and uh, Natok would be, you know, sort of, sort of like the, there's like the classic image of Boris Karloff. I, I, honestly, this is how how much I think about it like that. Uh, whereas, like, he's got like the sunken cheeks yeah yeah you know yeah. And he's sort of like the the dark around the eye and that's sort of what i always thought that that might look like yep well if you think about like um like again going back to hour of the dragon there's the mummies there's mummies in there for sure when they first uh when they first raise um shoot what's his name zaltatune uh, yeah zaltatune uh, they kind of raise him from a mummy. Oh yeah, because he's like then, a shriveled little corpse they dig up. Right, and then Todd McFarlane is like, "I'm making action figures, so I'm definitely gonna make the mummy version." But he basically he becomes more of a man at that point. And yeah. And in, in, in later in the story, uh, Conan enters the halls of the dead, and there's That's these right. like sarcophagi. Is that the uh, plural for sarcophagus? Sure, it is today. Sure, let's go with it. It is sounds today. like it. Anyways, they're they're stacked, uh, you know, yeah. multi-layered, and he comes into these halls of the dead. And at one point, the heart of Araman essentially, uh, they're about to raise this guy. It's interrupted, but then eventually, he 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 does get raised. And here's how it's described: slowly, the man rose, taking the jewel in his hand. That's the heart of Araman. He towered beside the altar, dusky, naked, with a face like a carven image. Mutely, he extended his hand toward Conan with the jewel throbbing like a living heart within it. Conan took it with an eerie sensation of receiving gifts from the hand of the dead. He somehow realized that the proper incantations had not been made. The conjurement had not been completed. Life had not been fully restored to this corpse. So they don't really play up the whole... He's That's right. I completely forgot in- about that scene. Yeah. So there's... Uh, I mean, it's a gold mine for classic yeah, monsters. Yeah, that's stuff. good. 
Um, because yeah, they're like it's basically what they tried or they what they did with Zoltatune, but it didn't mm. work, right? And right, so it's like right. this shriveled mummy corpse, um, raising up and not a full complete man. I will say the reason I forgot about it is because shortly after Conan fights four uh, monks from Kitai that have like living staves and gets yeah, those guys are. Those guys yeah. are cool, man. Like yeah. you never, you don't hear much about those. You know, they're no, not like yeah. you don't see them in a lot of comics. You don't so. see they're not replayed in other pastiche. Yeah, because um, they're like staff made out of like it's a tree that's alive. And yeah, I can't remember like, what he calls it. I think but, it has like serpent fangs as a type yeah. thing, maybe. Um, but I just admitted there's monks from an Asian like themed country in a Conan story. So that's a, that's one for Alex. It's been a while since we've been a while since we've uh, invoked the monks. That's true. Fighting with staves right. and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we're, we're, we're slightly pressed for time. Do you guys want to move on to, uh, mermen? Yes. Is that what we're going to call them? We're going to call them mermen. Merman. <laughs> Zoolander. The old, so, the old creature from the Black Lagoon slash yeah. uh, Murlocs in World of Warcraft. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure, nerd. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I just want to start with Creature of the Black Lagoon. I have to give a shout out to the Monster Squad. Oh, yeah. The 1980s classic. This is a film that, like, it's one of those, if you talk to someone and they know it and they love it, you're kind of instantly, you will instantly hit it off. But it's a it's a strange movie in that not everyone has seen it. It's it's something of a cult classic. It's on Amazon Prime. Is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah, it is actually because I saw it the other uh, day. Yeah, uh, and I was I, like, that I, I just, looks goofy. I've never seen it, and I was like, that. Oh, I just man. heard. I've heard everyone loves it, but it just looks so goofy. If you don't know what Wolfman doesn't have Nards means, yeah, you need to yeah. watch that movie. <laughs> I remember okay. uh, <laughs> when I was in when I was in film school. Um, I, I I met you know some a few guys from Dartmouth, which doesn't make any sense to you guys, but anyways, we hit it off quickly and we became fast friends in our in our film school. And uh, they didn't they hadn't heard about Monster Squad, and I told them, and they were like, "Well, that sounds amazing." And they saw it, and it was a movie that was just so far up their alley that they hadn't seen. It was just mind blowing, and. Uh, those guys went on to create Hobo with a Shotgun. Have you ever? Seen that? <laughs> oh my god! I, really? Yeah, yeah. With um, yeah. oh, he just died too, didn't Run, he? Rutger Hauer. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they they won the contest for like uh, creating a movie trailer through Robert and, Rodriguez for Grindhouse. Yeah, that played in Grindhouse, and then yeah. they made the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, a uh, little short story about uh, the Monster Squad. But the reason I bring it up is because I love. The creature of the Black Lagoon from that film. I believe it's all Stan Winston's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, man, he looks so cool in that movie. Yes, he does. Um, so, as far as uh, in Sword and Sorcery or you know Pulp Tales, so I gotta say the reason that this is my favorite is because mm-hmm. this is an adventure movie that turns into horror. Like it's an expedition, a scientific expedition going into the jungle uh, to study and like what they're ichthyologists. So fish yeah. and then very they Logan. stumble upon yeah, it. Yeah, it's this is, a very Logan Christmas right here. It's, it's <laughs> what I write. That's like, uh, that's what it is. Um, so this is my favorite. I, I like the science, but he's not a magical creature. Um, yeah, you're like a cryptid. You're a cryptid guy. 
kind of, yeah, I do. I, I do really love that stuff. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I just, I love science and like, I, I enjoy supernatural, obviously we're talking about sword and sorcery. Um, but, um, having that little, like even a thin science veil to it, like really hooks me. Sure. And it, I mean, it also has that Lovecraftian feel too. It does. Well. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, you know, the shadow over Innsmouth uh, and the deep ones are exactly they're 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 yeah. the OG fishmen as far as I can remember. Yep. Um, and I actually tried to look this up quickly before we recorded, but I, I didn't come up with like I couldn't pin down the original merman monster. Uh, but I, I mean, I got to think that Lovecraft being as popular as he was with these sorts of uh writers and creators that it was the deep ones that influenced a lot of this stuff right i i have to agree um i know gosh so frog frog like amphibian people are kind of popular in that whole era i do think they were still probably um like spawned <laughs> spawned <laughs> nice nice <laughs> <laughs> From HP I like Lovecraft. that one too much. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah. What is it? Uh, Bloodstone. Again, Carl Ag- Edward Wagner has frog people in it. Um, there's frog people in uh, some tales from Howard, Howard and from Clark Ashton Smith. And I guess I'm thinking about Cole and in Del- – what is it? Is it called Delcarty's Cat? Uh, yeah, or um, Cat in the Skull. Yeah, Cat in the Skull. And like – I like the way it starts out as a story, but by the time he actually introduces Thulsa Doom, I think that story's really fallen apart. Cause he, I read that he paused. There's a long pause between starting it and finishing it, and he kind of forgot or maybe changed a different theme or tone. Well, it's, but, it gets it's crazy at a point. Like he ends up going into this lake, and then he yeah. fights like three different. <laughs> you know, they're like four-armed uh, shark men. Yeah, which I'm totally they, into. I want. Yeah, see. exactly. And the art for the Cole Del Rey is yeah, is superb. Like yeah, it is. It's the um, best. Best yeah. out of those all those collections. Agreed. And that's hundred percent. That's agree. saying that's Justin saying a Sweet. lot. No, that's uh. Is that yeah, Justin? Yeah, yeah, it's, no, it's it got to be Justin Sweet. Yeah, yeah it's Justin Sweet. Um, um, but yeah, he he fights all these creatures on the way down. Now I reread that. Uh, after that scene where he meets the, the lake men. Yeah. And they're, yeah. They're not, they are not explicitly described as fishmen. Right. But they're people they have, that live in a cave under the lake, right? Yeah. They have luminous <laughs> eyes, but their king is sort of described as man-like and he has a beard. So, yeah. It's been a long time since I read that, but yeah. Yeah. That's why I checked it out. I mean, the Dark Horse comic sort of hammed it up and made them total deep ones, essentially. Of course they did. Um. So on that topic, interestingly, um, people know that the Conan monolith game is the monolith board game is coming back in 2020 earlier on. And uh, there was recently Fred Henry posted an image of a uh, of a sort of fish man like creature on there uh, questioning junk, questioning whether <laughs> the, the dong was offensive or not. Uh, <laughs> Oh. We, took, we took that. We took the feedback, and uh, you know, it seems as though the dong is probably going to be <laughs> left on Severed? the cutting room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for, <laughs> for interesting, there was some there was some good feedback for that. Um, but people were wondering, like, 
you know, where does that come from? And uh, I was wondering where that came from. I asked you like immediately after I saw it. Well, and I think I can't necessarily say uh, I can't point to any given tale, but I would say that that like a, a fish man or a, a you know, a, a deep demon is something that I just totally believe is in Conan's world, even though it's not explicitly said. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, I mean, in, in, you know what I mean. Like even the fact that uh, Lovecraft and Howard share those the mythos, and in in and also in Worms of the Earth, he's at the uh, Dagon's Mirror, and yep. he's he's talking when he sees a shadow pass overhead. It doesn't ever say what it is, but again, that could be one of these beings. It could be a deep one. Um, in Pool of the Black One, I was just I just pulled up the quote. Yeah, so Conan pops up on the boat and uh they're like who is this guy and someone who is it that says this is are you a merman that you rise up out of the sea she asked confused by the candor of his gaze though she was accustomed to admiration see for me that's sort of like the same deal as like the werewolves exactly right it's like the off right. werewolf. It, there's quote. acknowledgement that it potentially could exist right oh, yeah exactly uh and I, <laughs> then i wonder like where in Howard did he mention satires? Because <laughs> DeCamp took that and ran with it. I I think that I need to point out the way you said that was so strange to me. That satires? I, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a satyr. Yeah, okay. Satyr, yeah, you're right. But I, It's all good. It could be a regional thing. I just then people call it satires, and it's like, well, that's not what oh, satire is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They're called I, satires. So, satires. Uh, <laughs> During the course of my archaeology degree, I took a Greek um, mythology course because, of course, I did. And mm-hmm. my um, my professor, he pronounced centaur with the ancient Greek hard K sound at the end. So he kept saying kintower. And so I have in my notes like K-E-N-T-O-W-E-R question mark. Yeah. And it took me like a week to figure out what he was talking about. So I, I, <laughs> I took a, I took Greek mythology as well in university. And I remember she was like an elderly Greek lady and she was talking about Polyphemus, uh, <laughs> the, the, but she would like, yeah. it's the way she was describing it. She was like, and poor Polyphemus had his eye <laughs> plucked out <laughs> and like, but she sounded so broken up about it. And like, that's what I remember about the course. She was like really feeling bad for for Polyphemus, he, he, you know, he was the victim. Yeah. Anyways, we're not talking about no, that's, uh, Cyclops. That's Maybe another time. Maybe another <laughs> time. But with the with the fishmen uh, kind of thing, um, the 2D20 game, the, the free RPG day giveaway is oh, all yeah. about deep ones. So yeah. if they're into it, I don't see why. Um, oh, they why mind. They don't, yeah. Yeah. The D20 books mind the depths for Lovecraft. They have yeah. most of the stuff in there. Monolith, is this going to – so we're going to see this soonish? Uh, early 2020 is the plan, and uh, I can't reveal anything more about it other than that miniature that you saw is no. uh, intended. I can't say that it won't change. I can't say it will definitely make it in there, but I can definitely say it was a tease of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a very interesting design. Um, it's cool. I like the holding of the anchor, um, yeah. which makes me feel like he's a very large or it's a very large creature. I'm only saying he because it had a dong. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and I don't I, – from reading the comments, <laughs> reading the comments, it doesn't seem like anyone is necessarily offended. But a lot of people are like, it's a, it's a fish thing and fish yeah. don't have those. No, they're good. They're good points. I yeah. mean, I, I could also argue that it is sort of a blasphemous uh, combination oh, yeah. of horrors. It could be a demon, whether it's a part of a race. You know, I, I, I like the idea that we can keep that thing more so speculative. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And and when I think about that game, I also like miniatures to be sort of templates for things rather than an explicit creature. Like, yeah, you know, if you have Thack, he doesn't always need to be Thack. He can be a man ape. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It kind of creates it. It's more open for, for designers to do what they want with it. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a tiny thing. I can't say much more about it, but you'll know more soon. Sweet. Cool. We'll segue over to something else here. What do we got? Our last one is Frankenstein and I have nothing for Frankenstein. I don't think Frankenstein type monsters really appear in my knowledge. Um, for Frankie. I like the idea of animating different parts of flesh and putting it together. Um, but it just does not come up. Um, can I, can I, can I, can I just shout out very quickly to, uh, ghouls? Oh yeah. So, so ghouls show up in, um, in Lovecraft's Pikmin's model for sure. And then hour of the dragon. Yeah. But even before hour of the dragon, I would say that, uh, and this is a spoiler alert in, um, the Outsider, which is like my favorite Lovecraft story. The oh reveal, yeah, the, the reveal at the end, right? Yeah, and, where uh, he's like a corpse or something. Yeah, he's like a he's he's a monster essentially. You don't really know yeah. till the end, and he sounds kind of ghoulish to me. But anyway, that's an aside. Ghouls so, are an entire race in uh, Fawford and the Grey Mouser. Yeah, yeah, and they are they are in in Hour of the Dragon as well. The coolest part of that whole piece is that. You know, Conan gets pulled down by those things, uh, and he's, you know, he almost gets totally wrecked by them. But they mention, or he mentions, um, that there's an entire city of them to be rumored. And it's like, that's one of the more tantalizing bits about all of the Howard tales. It's like, you know, you plant these little seeds and we'll never know from him what he would have yeah. done with that, right? But it's like a whole city of ghouls, like, oh, and be so cool. Conan meets the ghouls in Zingara of all places. Like, this yeah. is like medieval Spain. It's not some far-flung edge-of-the-world country. Exactly. Um, they're just, like, running around in a pack in the, in the woods, but, if I remember so, right. But does so where Conan, is that city? But does Conan date a ghoul? Because <laughs> Fafer did. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> did gross. He? Yep. That's, that's gross, man. Oh, Fawford. Fawford, man, love Kreis, is love. Kreis, uh, I can't love pronounce her name. Kreiskra, Kreiskra, the, the ghoul is her name, I believe. Wow. Something like that, yep. Uh, they are, uh, as depicted by Liber, uh, they're clear-fleshed, uh, so they appear oh, as skeletons, right. essentially. I did read that story. Yeah. yeah. Gross. Yeah. It's kind of weird, because like, if, if they essentially have skin, but it's clear, uh, that's that's like a weirder concept concept to me than just actually being like an animated skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, totally. Great. Like in uh, in Conan Exiles, they're somewhat uh, fleshed. The the skeletons, right? If you look close, oh, they yeah. have some skin on them. Those are always way more. Have you seen um, Return of the Living Dead? Uh, yes, and I, I hate it. 
Oh God, Logan, what is wrong with you? The, the tire man, the tire man zombie. Yeah, that's a, you know a, who I mean. Model, yeah. Oh, that is the coolest zombie, uh, <laughs> and it's cooler because it still has a bit, still a bit of flesh on it. I think. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, man, what story is that, Alex? What's it called? The Fafford one. Um, Do you know, uh, I have it here somewhere. I, uh, I mean, I, that is such a, I, I did, I have not read that one, but like Fafford <laughs> like getting should, with a cool well, lady. That's awesome. Well, yeah, Alex I, is searching. I feel like we should probably mention pigeons from hell, which is like yeah. zombies and ghosts. And I think it's often regarded as one of Howard's best horror stories and totally. also one of the first weird West stories. It does mm-hmm. take place in the South. Um, and some people like it's, it's, I think it's like antebellum self, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it has an appearance of ghost slash zombies. Like they're like fleshy ghosts. They appear and disappear, but also are corporeal, I guess. Yeah. And what a title. You can't beat yeah. that title. No. Um, and if you, if you're not in the reading mood, uh, Bor, not Bor, I want to say Boris Karloff, um, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, the, the show Thriller. I think is what it was called. Um, he has a film adaptation of Pigeons in Hell, and it was on an old black and white TV show, which I actually watched and is really good. Sure, that's Hitchcock, isn't it? No, I think it's Boris Karloff. I think you're is right. Is it Boris? Okay, maybe. Yeah, okay, maybe I'm getting. Um, yeah, Boris Kar- Boris Karloff's thriller, and it's Pigeons from Hell. Okay, black yeah, and white, go. 1961. Yeah. So I was right the first time. Yeah, I thought you were. <laughs> How's that? Um, Full circle. There's That's yeah. the segue. That's the whole episode. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't I can't find it right now, unfortunately. I've been, that's, I've been sitting here silently trying to dig around looking for uh, which one it is. But it is in there uh, for sure. They you've, also, given me, you've given me a quest, Alex. Yeah. I now must find the answer. Oh, I'll, I'll find it after, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, but, we'll just post about it. But I want a quest, you see. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Grey Mouser, I believe, uh, sleeps with uh, like a rat queen lady. What? Yeah, that's li- so dark. Liber's strange. Because yeah. remember the rat, the rat creatures are what took their brides. That is they actually took the, yeah, took that their, is their, their, not their brides, but their their girlfriends. And then he gets with a rat lady. Yeah. I got to dig deeper in a library, so, man. I only read the something- first book. Something I read, I actually think I read it on our on one of the threads on our Facebook. Um, someone was saying that there was a point where, like, Liber did a soft, gritty reboot of of Fafford and the Gray Mouser because earlier in our one of our fe- for like past episodes, probably the Gray Mouser, the Fafford and Gray Mouser episode, Alex mentioned that there was some um, ravishing going on, and oh, yeah. that was a later story. Um. And and that's part of that soft reboot. He's just trying to like sell stuff, huh. and so edgy. he made it a little edgy, right? So maybe maybe that's where that comes from. I don't know, but that's that's something interesting. Yeah, that wasn't Sounds my like... most favorite moment to read. Yeah, that's what you're saying, and mm-hmm. I totally understand. Um, there's there's a there's a similar. Uh, controversial piece in one of the Andrew Offut Ufut Ufut uh Conan pastiches where he uh 
I think he takes a woman against her will, which is like so just common. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not into that. I mean, and Don't that's, that. that's at least pastiche. That's true. Yeah, I, so you can true. easily throw it under the bus. Yeah, I was more disappointed because it comes in either book six or book seven. And it's like, you know, you, I, I've been here this long and now this is the sort of thing. Like, yeah. you have to set that tone early so you know what you're getting into. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a you know it's a it's a particular place you're going with your fiction, and I feel like you need to have a damn good reason right. to do it. And, as well. and, and in terms of um, description, it's it's soft. It's not really you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. graphic by any means, yeah. but still, the idea is there. And, I, and after enjoying, you know, I don't know, thirty stories or so, that's like the last thing that <laughs> that I wanted to have to have characters mm. tainted in that sort of way. Right. And I mean, yeah, that's a whole other debate and topic for sure. Sure is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I think I think that's our, our choppy, our rough. Yeah. Yeah. So this this whole episode was haunted. Yeah. So this was a haunted actually, episode. But our, in our next one, meta. in our next episode, we are going to have good quality. Uh, yeah. And we will be talking about the monster hunter himself. Yes. Yes, we will be talking about Solomon Kane. So it's high time we've talked about Solomon Kane. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. That that'll be really really good. Uh, we thank you everyone for sticking with us. Hopefully, uh, this finished product after I do edit it is not too choppy. Uh, it's not too bad. We'll see. Um, I may I'm have. Gonna, to... I'm gonna. I'm gonna sprinkle some holy water on this. Thank you. Yeah, we need. Alex that. is Alex is gonna sprinkle some holy water. We're going to. Uh, Exer- we're gonna. Put we're gonna some, exercise it. Is what we're gonna. We're do. gonna exercise yeah, it. Right. I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna take the demon. I'm gonna jump out the window and break my body for the sake of this episode. And may your swords always remain sharp. Since it is our spooky episode, uh, I want to take the opportunity to have an... I'm going to f***ing kill my cat. I'm going to f***ing kill him. He's just... He's not even normally like this. It's because I'm in the living room and he can't handle it.